Yeah, it's your boy Ray Ray on the mic. Let's go. Mic check, mic check. Welcome to On the Mic with Ray White, where we share life lessons, encourage self-reflection, and equip you to take action. My name is Ray White, and I am juiced that you're taking the time to listen to this episode today. And this episode is another fire interview for you. Dan Horowitz comes onto the podcast, and I'm super juiced for this episode, y'all. He is a former college basketball player and coach who has taken his experiences on the court to the next level by developing coaches, players, and organizations to design their own championship culture towards success. And not only that, <laughs> he also packages his knowledge, experiences, and observations of top athletic programs across the nation into his book, y'all. His book, Help Them Up. 14 principles to help educate, energize, and empower your team to build a championship culture. And what I love about this book, y'all, is that not you don't have to be an athlete to understand the concepts of this book. These elements, which, yes, are pulled from the sport industry, can be taken into any industry in the world, whether you are working in the uh, healthcare IT IT space like me, or you're an educator, or you're just somebody who wants to build up a strong foundation. These principles are really key that you could act and put into your system, put into your leadership to develop a championship culture in your space. So if you want, if you love leadership, if you love culture as much as we do, this episode is for you. I'll be sure to drop Dan's contact in the show notes so that way you can follow him online on social media and his website. So that way you can also get his book and then connect with him on how you can develop your championship culture for your program. So without further ado, let's go ahead and dive into this episode titled Help Them Up featuring Dan Horowitz. Well, hey, Dan. Welcome to the On The Mic Show. How are you doing this evening? Evening on your end, right? Yes, sir. Yeah, it's six o'clock here in Connecticut. Um, very excited to be here and, and have a great conversation with you today, Ray. Hey, man. Dan, I'm super juiced that you're on the show, bro. Um, like I, I mentioned, technically off camera, uh, we, the listeners, we got connected through LinkedIn, or LinkedIn, LinkedIn and Instagram, but uh, more specifically Instagram, uh, through this small little support group of of creators and leaders called the victory squad and uh so shout out to jacob espinosa for bringing us together but uh through that patch just got a chance to connect with dan watch his content see his work and i was just like whoa like this dude has some phenomenal content that's already out there and just hit just his journey of getting to this point of becoming a leadership consultant a leadership development a phenomenal coach an includer a culture shaper um and we working to shape that for both leaders, coaches, players, and beyond. And so I'm excited for you to be on the show and talk about this. But um, before we get to your current accomplishments and your future goals, I would love to track back to the time where you were entering into college. Uh, so you mentioned you're in Connecticut. Could you tell us a little bit about your journey to, to college? Yeah, I think uh, my love for sports just kind of came at recess. You know, as, as kids, we all uh, in elementary school just loved playing outside and it could be very hot or raining or snowing. It didn't matter. We just wanted to go out and play. And uh, so that's kind of where my love of sports came. And a lot of my friends were all my teammates, um, or, you know, or just guys that I would play with on the, the blacktop. And uh, I played basketball, uh, football, and baseball my freshman year of high school. And I, I really enjoyed all three of those. 
um, but decided that basketball is probably the best for me and uh, just stuck with that and joined uh, an AAU program and actually played for a woman coach uh, named Coach Katie. And, um, and she was the toughest, uh, most demanding coach I ever played for. And uh, also, you know, the one coach that really cared about me and instilled so much confidence. And, you know, there'd be times in the game where I'd hesitate a little bit and she'd yell, shoot it, Danny, shoot it. <laughs> so when your head coach is telling you that you got to shoot the ball um, and, and you're doubting yourself, those little things, uh, you know, mean a lot to you, especially as a, a younger kid. Uh, so I had some great mentors and coaches. And then uh, to get to college, I, I kind of had to recruit myself. Um, I wasn't, uh, you know, one of those hoop mixtape guys where I'm dunking over people or crossing everybody up. I just love to, to play defense and, and be a great teammate and, and share the ball. So uh, emailed 150 schools, 10, uh, 10 replied, three uh, came and watched me play, and then one said yes. And that was Newberry College in uh, Brookline, Massachusetts, so right outside of Boston. And uh, had a really good time there. A very diverse uh, group of people. And, uh, you know, those people are my family now. So it was uh, a great experience. Dude, <laughs> that's funny because, yeah, I, I was listening to a previous podcast that you were on. And you mentioned that, that you, you know, essentially recruited yourself. And you said 150 schools you reached out to? Yeah, a lot of them more than once. <laughs> <laughs> a little crazy. That is uh, uh determination you know that's persistence and, and i imagine obviously that's how you play uh you got that you translate that style over to you selling yourself and promoting yourself in that regard man but um you know what made the decision like i, I love the fact you do reach out to 150 schools where they all a certain type of school was it across the country you know were you looking at like go okay, hey duke like coach k hit me up you know like <laughs> What was that, like the decision behind who to reach out to and why? Yeah, that's a great question. I think uh, you have to think of a lot of the factors. The, the financial one, I think, is probably one of the last ones you think about as a high school kid. You're like, I'm just going to go play. Like, it doesn't matter where. And then you're like, oh, it's like forty, fifty thousand dollars $50,000 a year. And mom's like, nope, we can't do that. <laughs> and so um, I think the financial aspect limited me. Uh, I am a big family guy, as I know you are as well. And so I wanted to be close enough to home. So uh, in Connecticut, we're, we have New York, New Jersey, Massachusetts. Um, you know, so those are some of the, the regions I was looking into. And, uh, and yeah, Division Three was kind of my level. There was no uh, emails to Coach K. Um, but my twin brother, he was a manager, and he went to Syracuse. So um, and, and he loved that, and he was uh, – just a part of a big division one program and I was a part of a small division three. So just having us both be involved in basketball was really cool just to learn. Um, but yeah, I think it just kind of came down to, uh, you know, them saying that I could play basketball. I don't think you should ever base your decision on that. I'd, I'd love to hear your recruiting story to Willamette um, just because everybody is so unique in their, their journey there. Uh, but when I got there and I just felt um, comfortable and I loved Boston and, um, yeah, it was just a really good time, but I would love to hear your recruiting story as well. <laughs> yeah, man. I don't think I've, um, I didn't reach out to 150 schools. Let's just, put it <laughs> I do have a, a slight, um, going like working over rejection, like, you know, getting over the fear of rejection, all that kind of stuff that plays a factor into it. So I didn't really reach out to many schools, but, uh, but yeah, I did football, uh, football, basketball and track in, in high school. And, um, actually, uh, was 
at that point at the end of my football season my senior year was like you know I love this game I can continue playing but I'm also you know I don't I don't know what life is like outside of sport and and what would it be like to do something different but then uh I reached out to maybe a couple schools you know in the area mostly d2 type schools uh but nothing outlandish and outrageous in that regard um until a uh, recruiter from Willamette University in Salem, Oregon, uh, came down to my school in Southern California and said, hey, we're looking for guys who are uh, good quality guys on and off the field and also can ball a little bit too. <laughs> and I'd never heard of Willamette or Division Three. Like, I didn't even know that was a division. Again, you know, D1 and up was the, the model, right, of what we all preached about in our high school days um, and what we see on TV. And so, um, they came down, there's three of us in the locker room. We watched our highlight tape, you know, and the, the coaches kind of wrapped it up, hooped it up. And then, um, <laughs> and then for me, I, uh, said, you know, I could still play. I can, why not? Like who, how, like, if I was to look down the line in my legacy and my children and they, you know, I would love to tell about my sport playing days and hype it up more than what I actually did. Right. Like, <laughs> <laughs> it's like, yeah, your dad was a boss. <laughs> but no, man, took the trip, uh, got to visit the school and do all that. It was raining sideways and cold weather, but decided to stay because of the culture and the people. But, um, but yeah, so that's, I think a lot of the decision was, um, I can, I can still play and be able to say I play collegiate sport. And, um, and also experience a new community, a new world that uh, I wouldn't have if I probably didn't play sports, you know? Um, so that's how I kind of got to my, to where I'm at today. Um, yeah, I love it. I think it's, like you said, you never heard of them before, um, but for whatever reason, that's where your, your path took you. And, uh, is, you know, just listening to you on other episodes, it sounds like you really made the most of it. And, you know, you've done great things since there. So that's, that's really cool. Thanks for sharing. Yeah, man. Thanks for asking. So as you're now at Newberry, I, I, you know, again, we, the similar context of playing sports, playing Division Three ball, you know, on a new campus, on a new world. Talk about like that, the balance of being a student and an athlete. Like, to, where were what were some of the things that you enjoyed about it? What were some of the challenges that you faced? Um, how was that dynamic for you playing ball and also going to class? Yeah, well, I heard you talk about it on one of your episodes, just saying it's like a part-time job. And, uh, you know, it definitely is. So I would say the, the struggles of it are time management. You just really got to prioritize what's, what you need to do um, over what you want to do. And so, you know, academics always came first because you need to stay eligible in order to play. And, uh, you know, I knew I wasn't going on, like you said, to, to play professional, even though as a kid, that's what you wanted to do. Uh, but I just love the game, love being a part of a team and, and, you know, hopefully can, you know, tell the kids one day that, uh, you know, that you play college, you don't need to tell them that I don't need to tell them my record of a uh, 13 and 87. Um, we lost a lot of games, but, uh, you know, I just loved it. I loved it to compete. And, uh, so I was, yeah, time management was definitely, uh, something to get used to. I would say, uh, I lived off campus for three years. I worked as a resident assistant. And that was really cool because you're like, a, I guess, a resource to the students. You're in your, you might be the same age as them, but they come to you when they need something. And I enjoyed being that support person for them and, and just being able to be a sounding board if they needed to talk or they were homesick. I just enjoyed um, that role. So I was off campus, so I'd have to take the train. And that train came like every 20, 30 minutes in Boston. So if you missed it, you were waiting a while. So we used to sprint to the train 
uh, my friend DeRay, who's from Maryland, um, if he saw me coming, he would get on the train and he'd act like he dropped his wallet or something. And he would just give me a few seconds to, to get my, you know, get onto the train. So um, that was something fun that we did for each other. And he's one of the best teammates I ever had and one of my best friends. So um, that was a good memory. Uh, but yeah, we had to get on a train and then we had a, a shuttle because our school was on like a big hill. So if you missed the shuttle, that was another 15 minutes as well. So it could add up to close to an hour. So uh, just being very organized and, um, and making sure you have all your bags with all your basketball stuff, all your school stuff. And uh, so that, you know, it was, a, it was a shock to me to try to get used to all that, but I, I figured it out. <laughs> um, and then the fun stuff is like, I think you get to, you have that bond with the other athletes. Like, you know, you guys are all kind of have some type of shared adversity. At Newberry, we don't have great resources in regard to facilities. Um, our, our weight room was very small. We did get a renovation. Um, but, you know, just having that chip on your shoulder of like, we don't have a lot, but like, we're still going to compete every time we go out there and, and not make any excuses. And um, I think I enjoyed that. And then the, the last part was just like seeing some of these great programs. Uh, it, we played uh, Amherst College my, my freshman year, I think it was our second or third game, and they had just won the D3 National Championship. Wow. And when you got on the court, you're like, there was six five across the board besides the point guard, and the point guard was the player of the year, and he was like six two. I'm like, this is ridiculous. Um, and their weight room, their their training room, where this is, it was like, you know, Division One. Um, and so that was really cool just to play some of the best teams. And I won't say the scores of that game, but or, or those playing those top teams, but that was also cool just to see the level um, of Division Three. Yeah. Oh man. Yes. That's, that's a good story, man. I mean, <laughs> the, the, just the challenge of, yeah, the one, like you said, shout out to your, shout out to your friend for just being a good friend, just looking out. Ray, that's a shout out to him, bro. Cause that's, that's, that's key. You can't teach that <laughs> friendship. That's like, that's like you and I, my name and your name combined to Ray. Yeah, man. Hey, hey <laughs> bro, because that that definitely is is a it's a money maker type of friend like that looking out for you and yeah. um yeah I I you harped enough like the the importance of academics and managing your time to be able to be successful on the court is key um knowing that there's a lot of students me included who transition into high school to college not really understanding the weight of that responsibility or how true that responsibility could be and the implications of that for your, you know, your playing time or your ability to be eligible. Um, so being able to manage that early on is key and important. Was that something that you picked up like on your own or a habit that you've had prior to coming into college or did there, was there the support system around you to help develop that for you? Like, what was that like? That's a, a really good question. I think the support system was amazing. Uh, we did have a lot of really good people on campus. We, we call it a small school with a big heart. And uh, there's less than probably 1,200 students. And you know, I'm sure as you do, you're just a very friendly guy. And I'm just like, hey, a lot of time people wouldn't respond, but most of the time they do. <laughs> and so you just become that friendly person. And you know, I can name you know, the, the, you know, some of the custodians and the, um, you know, the security guards. I talk, there's one security guard that I talked to. He's uh, pushing 90 and he calls me once a week. And now that's almost four years removed now. So just knowing the names of all the people that you interact with, I think is awesome. And uh, a great thing I'm sure you could attest to as well is like you can be involved uh, with so many things. You know, I, I saw your LinkedIn and what you did on campus. And, you know, so you were a student athlete, you know, times three, four, five other things you were doing. And uh, that's the best part about it is like, 
I got to work in, um, in athletics. So I was around the coaches all the time. I was the one carrying the, the papers for the printer across campus. I, and those things were like 30 pounds each and I'm carrying two boxes. And that was my job like every Monday. I remember that. But then it gave me the opportunity to talk to the coaches and pick their brain as a, you know, 18 year old kid. Um, and then uh, what else? The admissions ambassador. So I knew I wanted to coach in college. So I got to give families tours and, and talk about my experience. And, um, you know, I think it was my senior year. Somebody was like, is this a setup? Like every person you've walked by, you said hello to and every teacher and student. I was like, no, like this is how it is. Um, and so that was a, you know, that was kind of just sums up what, what the place was. Um, so I got to do a lot of really cool things and probably stretch myself out a little bit too much. Um, but I don't regret it because the relationships that I created, I still um, I still have those today. And I think that's just being around and showing that like you care about the place. And, you know, you could always complain. You know, there's always things you can find. You know, we don't have a basketball gym on campus or the food is this, you know, everybody complains about. But it's just like there's so many positives as well. So I just try to take those from my experience. Yeah, yeah. The small campus vibe. I, I was very surprised how. Um, you know, I guess beneficial and fitting it was for my personality and sounds like for yours too, because you do have the ability to connect, to build relationships and, um, and have them long lasting and to make an impact on campus as well. Uh, and, and I appreciate what you said about just the ability to, um, you know, you, you, you took those tours to showcase what prospective students can experience as well and be able to showcase that, you know, show the love of, hey, this could be your campus too. Um, and I know we'll talk a little bit about the the identity or the value of belonging and inclusivity and how that plays a role in, in everything that you do. But it's just phenomenal that early on, that, that continued to be part of the, the, the foster, the makeup of your personality and wanting to showcase that with other people too. So that's, that's pretty dope. Um, <laughs> we do got to talk about the record though. So you said, <laughs> Oh no, Ray. <laughs> away. no, no, no. I, I get it. You know, no, you I, can bring it out. I'm ready. I'm ready to talk about that. Like what, what's the, Talk, talk, let's talk about that. <laughs> what was the record? And I'm mean, not, not not necessarily the X's and O's, but just the morale around having that as as part of the record, or you know, you you showcase you showcase that. But um, what what was the morale like across the uh, on the campus in the locker room, um, you know, on the team uh, while having that type of a record? Tell me about that experience. Yeah, definitely uh, not an easy thing. And the the coach I played for. Um, Coach uh, Jelani Towns, he's a great guy, and he had a lot of success for two years. Um, he inherited some really good recruits, and I think they were tied for the first in the conference. So, um, you know, so for two years they had really good seasons, and then he brought in, um, you know, his recruiting class of I think uh, it was about six or seven of us, maybe a little bit more, and uh, you know, as Division Three, you have big rosters because kids fail out or get kicked out or um, or can't afford it, whatever, transfer, there's just so many things that can happen. Um, so we brought in a, you know, a good core group of guys, but when I came in, we graduated at a thousand point score. Uh, I think one of the top five rebounders in the country, this big guy, he was like six, eight, should not be playing division three, but he was. And so, you know, so they had some good years and I think we just kind of fell off with talent a little bit. Um, and then we did play tough schedules. Like we played MIT, we played uh, NESCAC teams like Tufts and Amherst, like I mentioned. So uh, just really top top teams, uh, which were fun to play against, but you know, you kind of get, you know, 
a little sick of it. You want to be able to compete against teams that are more your level. Um, I will say that it like it really shows you, and you really got to dig deep of what your purpose is and what like what's your why. And I think that's so important. Like, why am I playing college basketball? And I was like, because I want to like learn. I want to be part of a team, and I wanted to coach in college. And a lot of former coaches, almost all of them, have played or been a manager. And uh, and so that's you know that's what kept pushing me. Deray, like I talked about, one of the best teammates I had, and we had so much fun in the weight room. Um, and just we had found this little park in Boston, and we used to go at like nine or ten in the morning on the weekends before and after the season, and uh, and we would just play and compete. So I think like that relationship uh, with him and then with some of my other friends um, made it worth it. And, you know, like we knew we probably weren't going to be able to, to win a lot of games because we didn't have a, a basketball gym on campus to practice. Uh, we only had outside and, um, and it was, so that limited us, but we just, we did, we had that chip on our shoulder and we just tried to compete. Um, but I think the talent aspect, um, you know, made it, made it tough to, to when we'd have any Steph Curry's or LeBron James um, coming in, so, uh, you know, that was, that was tough, but it was, it was a good experience and, um, and I'm definitely thankful for it and learned so much. Yeah. That's, that's, I like how you, 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 you as a team as well, make the most of what you had. Like I, yeah, I can imagine how difficult it can be to try to organize team athletic practices, things like that when you don't have your own gym, like what, so what did you do? Where did you go? Where did you practice? And again, like basketball seasons in the winter. So <laughs> you ain't playing outside all the, all the time, no. practice it all the time. So where did, how did that work? Yeah, so we, we played outside. Uh, sometimes we'd get gym time where we can go use that gym, but a lot of us didn't have cars. So it wasn't like uh, you can bring everybody kind of thing. Uh, so some of the upperclassmen would go and it was uh, like, you know, a little bit of disconnect just because guys did have, you know, they only had a few spots. So they're going to take the seniors and not us young freshmen or something like that or or I had an RA meeting, so I couldn't go to the basketball thing. So some of those other roles on campus kind of get in the way. But we would. We'd play outside um, and then hopefully get some gym time and just try to stay fit in the weight room. Uh, a good story I have is in my sophomore year uh, in the fall, like a week and a half until the season started, I was feeling good. Finally had that, as you know, like you get that first college season under your belt. Like you know what is expected and how to prepare for it. So I came in. We're playing outside. And. Uh, one of my teammates, his name's uh, Jay Juan, we call him Ice. And this kid is like Division Three Russell Westbrook. Like he jumps up for a layup and then we'll like finish it like that. He can dunk like crazy. And he's the funniest kid um, too. So it's just like a great uh, combination. And I was actually talking to him um, yesterday because a video of him dunking after practice came up on my phone. Um, and so I definitely miss, uh, miss seeing him. But we were playing and I tried to steal the ball from him and I stole it, but I missed um as on the first try and still on the second and my hand hit the concrete in my hand like really hurt right away but I didn't know what happened but I got the ball I went all the way down scored with my left hand and then like my hand just like I just like had this throbbing pain and I actually broke and you know it sounds worse than it was but I, I cracked a bone in my finger and so I just kind of cracked across here so I broke it and I, uh, I, you know, fast forward, I go to the hospital, get a cast. And they're like, you're not going to be able to play, you know, this whole first semester. And I'm just like, this is so important to me. I've been training for, you know, eight months. And I get out of the hospital and there's a guy in a wheelchair in a full leg cast being pushed out. And instantly I went from having a little pity party to like, 
I got to walk out of here. I can still play defense. I can still do every running drill. And trust me, with a record like that, we ran like a lot. We ran every single day, suicides and, and all that stuff. And I could still do all of it. Um, and so, you know, just having that perspective of like me, 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 I can't play basketball for this whole semester to like I get to walk out of here and, you know, be, you know still be able to be a good teammate and support them. Um, but it just gave me a lot of perspective that moment. And so that's something that really sticks with me as well. Wow. Dude, that's some good perspective, man. That's good perspective. Um, as you, so now that we've, you know, you're in the college, you're in the state, but you've made quite a bit of comments of saying that you wanted to play or you wanted to be a coach. <clears throat> Coaching is one of the things that you desire to do. Um, where did that desire come from? I know, I, in, especially in just this conversation and just watching a lot of your content and what you've produced already, the servant leadership, the servant mindset has always been a part of your identity too. Um, but the desire to be a coach, where did that come from? How did that transpire? Yeah, I, to me, I think it was those few transformational coaches that I had as a kid growing up. You know, there's transactional where it's you know, it's not genuine and it's just like, hey, you're good at basketball. You can score points and we want to win. Whereas transformational is like, you know, it's bigger than a sport and you're trying to have, a, you know, and it doesn't need to be just a sport context. But if you're in a leadership position, you can have a really positive impact on somebody's life. And hopefully they go on to, you know, do the same for, for others. And so um, coaching, I think uh, I had a really good 10 year old coach, uh, 10 to 12. And uh we played for Go Media, and and uh, I'm still very close with him, me and my twin brother. And uh, we ended up winning the championship our last year. Um, and that was just a culmination of, like, just working really hard. And him just having – he made it so much fun um, for us. We competed, but, like, he was never – he never belittled us. And obviously, we're only 10 to 12-year-olds. But usually some crazy videos now where if you go to a, an AAU gym and you watch 10 to 12-year-olds, it is – I'm like, wow. Like, I don't know if I would have kept playing. <laughs> um, but uh, he was – he was a really good guy and, uh, and made it fun for us. And then my uh, coach, Katie, she was the, we didn't touch a basketball for two weeks uh, with her. It was all conditioning and just mental toughness. And we beat a lot of really good teams just based on our conditioning in, in the fourth quarter, um, uh, you know, of games or second half. And, uh, and one thing she said to me, which is, you know, any, for any of the listeners is like, I felt like I should be starting and, my, my junior year, we had a really good team and there was two All-State kids and they were awesome um, to play with. But because of the, the talent we had, she said that she wasn't going to start because, a, you know, a few of those kids couldn't handle coming off the bench that they felt entitled to playing. Um, but she said when it came to crunch time and, you know, last few minutes of the game when we needed, you know, we needed to get a stop or we needed to, she told me that like, you will be in the game because I know I can trust you. Um, and she knew I could handle that role. You know, and I could have been like, no, like I'm going to go to some AAU team. You know, the transfer portal is crazy now in AAU, especially at the grassroots level, like kids just jump teams. Oh, yeah. But I knew she believed in me and the fact that she had me in there, um, you know, obviously a very smart coaching tactic too, to like get me to, to buy into that. Um, but I, I did and she did. She stood by her word and she kept me in there when it mattered. Um, so, you know, little things like that that coaches do, um, you know, that, that had a big impact on me. And then the last one was my baseball coach. Uh, like I said, I played my freshman year. My twin brother was the star baseball player, and he played in the town league for basketball. Um, and so my senior year, I was like, oh, like, I know I'm going to Newberry. I would love to play baseball one more time. And I ended up making the team as – and I was basically just a pinch runner. So once a game, you go in like every – you know, three-hour game, you get to go in one time. 
give somebody a fist bump, like good hit, good walk. And then I get to try to steal bases and it's kind of like basketball. You're just like in a defensive stance and when they pitch, you just run and, and slide. So I loved it. Um, and I, the pressure wasn't really on me. You know, I could just enjoy being a great teammate and we were a really good team. A lot of them were my really close friends and um, coach Billing, he was a MIT graduate. So everything was a like very detailed, but his energy and, and charisma um, you know, like, uh, you know, listen to you on your podcast and you have such a great energy. It's like, I want to keep listening because um, you can tell that you're genuine and you care, um, but you also have fun at the same time. So all, I think those three coaches were so um, impactful for me. And I just hope to try to be that type of leader and, and coach uh, for as many kids as I can be in the future. That is phenomenal, man. Yeah, you got to, you know, I, I love the fact that you listed out those individuals who were transformational for you and who helped showcase what that could what great coaching could look like and 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 modeling it over that modeling that for you know the way you play today and the way you coach for for the future for the next generation and it's amazing now how those names continue to ring true for you and how you act and how you and how you regard uh you know live your life and as you now you know you had you you are continuing to to take your shot at coaching like you've been you've coached before you you're continuing to coach what was that first season that you you know took the opportunity to be the coach was it during your playing days or was it when you were done playing like when when was that time yeah i started coaching when i was uh, a senior going into college um one of my friends who was the best player on our high school team, he was like, hey, I'm doing this camp. And it was like an all-sports camp and uh, not just basketball. And I was like, yeah, like, I'll do it. Um, and so that was my first, like, introduction into to being a coach. And I, the coach, Chad, that I talked about the 10- to 12-year-old team, I would go while I was a high school player, and I would go help out and, uh, and hang out with the kids. And, you know, obviously he was so welcoming and appreciative of that. Um, and then one of his players who I wasn't on the team with him, he actually just – uh, committed to an Ivy League school for next year, um, you know, so it's, and this is like a rec league. It's not like some travel thing. So, um, you know, he he's definitely has a good, uh, you know, just a, a good rapport with the players because they always want to come back and, and hang out. Um, but, uh, but yeah, so, you know, I got a little sidetracked. I apologize. What was that? No, you're good. Yeah. You started, sound like you got, you started, you started getting into coaching, like actually, you know, you, you've been around kids, you've been doing your thing, but you got into coaching, transitioning into college. And then it sounds like every, every opportunity you had in off season or whatever, what have you, you were um, back into that mode or back into that field, continue to practice that craft of coaching. And I think you've done you, your coaching um, experience. You know, we'll talk about that, how that translates into the book, but your coaching experience is, is pretty vast. So like you, you like talk about some of the, the different areas that you coached in or the different programs that you were coaching and helping impact the lives of students. Yeah, so it started with that summer camp. Um, and you just have to know how to like be able to get a group of, of kids and be able to get their attention and, and make it interactive and, and fun. You know, the kids are there, especially at the younger age. Like sometimes I think we try to control too much. It's like you just got to create a safe space where they're not going to, you know, hurt themselves or, or anybody else, but just like, let them have fun and let them play, you know, like just, just having fun um, is, is the main goal. And I think a lot of times people get away from that. And uh, I would say, you know, summer basketball camp was really fun. Me and my twin brother, we, I'll say his name. So Ben, Ben and I would work camps all over the country um, just to try to network, but also just get an experience like, Oh, I got to go to a, uh, 
Boston College and worked their camp and we went to Providence. We did a whole little tour, uh, Philadelphia 76ers and got some great uh, steak and cheese there. Uh, so we just worked a lot of camps, met a lot of good people. And uh, I think the impact that we were able to have on the kids really inspired us to just keep working more. Um, you don't get paid a lot to do this at all. You're probably almost losing money if you're driving out to Philly and back for the, the cost of the food and gas and all that stuff. But we just enjoyed uh, what we were doing and, and thought it was something productive to do in the summers. Uh, but then coaching collegiately, I did that for three years and just decided to get out of it. But um, it, it's really cool to see that it doesn't change from the, the youngest kid to up to college. Like, you know, I love the quote, nobody cares how much you know until they know how much you care. And it, like, it really resonates with me. And, you know, I, you know, Ray, you could be like, hey, I, I played college football, um, you know, so I'm going to tell you how to go, you know, run this uh, route as a wide receiver. But like if I if you take time to really invest, like, hey, what do you, how do you see yourself being great at, at wide receiver? And like, what do you know already? And how can I assist you in that opposed to just like barking demands at me? It shows that like you've invested in me and um, and that you care about me. And, and also asking about like family. Um, I just trained a kid today in basketball and his uh, his both his parents got COVID. And, and you know, fortunately, they're both OK. Uh, but his mom did have to go to the hospital and and get checked out and you know I could hear like in his voice that he was definitely you know concerned for her um, but that's what we talked about before the workout even started and um, you know and I, we could have just got right into it but I, you know I knew he was going through that and obviously he knows he can reach out to me and my older brother coached him um, in the travel basketball league so um, he's got a good army of people to have his back um, but I think that's what it's all about is just showing that you care and then, you know, and then competing, like we're not going to go half speed, like we're going full speed the second we step between these lines and you and I could be very nice guys. But, you know, once we step onto the core, onto the field, like we're, we're going to compete and give it everything we've got. So um, I love that balance of um, that competitive energy, but also being a great teammate. That's so good, man. That's so good. And I appreciate that y your mentality going into coaching is, is the relationship piece. You know, it's, it's bigger than the X's and O's, it's bigger than the wins and losses. Um, but it's more so how is that person doing and developing and being able to make sure that they have what they need to be successful um, on and off the court. And that's, and that's great that you, you know, even to today, just literally right minutes before us hopping on here, um, that relationship is happening like that. That's continuing. And that player knows he has the fan, he has kids, another family that's supporting him in this mm -hmm. factor. Um, you know, and wants to even succeed in other ways too. So that's, that's amazing that you're, that you're investing in that space. And, um, you know, and, and we've talked about this concept of culture quite a bit, you know, without saying the word, but we've talked about what that looks like, you know, from growing up to college and even to the way that we coach uh, and how that plays a role in just developing people, developing environments. You, in your unique experience, again, traveling nation, go across the nation, going to different campuses and watching different coaches, you've had the ability to see how culture is shaped on, in various programs and even had a hand or a, of shaping it or observing it to where you decided one day, I'm, maybe not one day, maybe it's always in the back of your mind, but you're like, you know, I'm gonna write a book about it. <laughs> so I would love to hear, you know, just the, the, the process of, uh, you know, how this book came to be, um, and even just some of the, the, the behind the scene challenge or the behind the scenes work, not necessarily challenges, but the work that it takes to produce a book. Um, Cause that, that, that within itself is an amazing feat and that's just props to you for the book. So, um, you know, share what the book is about, 
uh, help help them up. What is it all about? And and even just how the, the journey from is to inception to publishing. Well, I appreciate you, you know, checking out the book before we got on this call and, and just getting kind of a feel for it. I definitely put my my heart and soul into trying to just put uh, something together that appealed to a lot of people, not even just basketball, but all sports and and, you know, outside of the basketball context as well. In no way am I a writer and had I planned to write a book. <laughs> so uh, I wonder what my English professors in college would say about that. Uh, they're like, no way. But uh, luckily, I hired, uh, you know, an editing or uh, a company to, to do the editing for me. <laughs> um, yeah. But it was it kind of it wasn't anything planned. I I decided to get out of college coaching because family was so important to me. And I felt like I wasn't spending enough time with them and my friends and felt like the long term um, didn't align with what I wanted to do in regard to family and, and the, the impact I was trying to have. I just felt like it was tough being an assistant coach, trying to climb the, the ladder to be a head coach one day. Um, and so I made the decision to get out of college coaching and started a, a leadership consulting company. Um, and uh, I told my twin brother, I said, Ben, I was like, I'm going to write a book. And he goes, he was like, oh, okay. He's like, well, good luck with that. <laughs> and, and let me know if you need help with anything, um, you know, moving forward. So the second I told him, he walked away. My heart started beating like crazy. Um, and I was like, oh, why did I just do that? But I know if I told Ben that I would actually follow through and do it. Like I needed that, like that thing to kind of, you know, to make me to do it um, even on the days I didn't want to. So Fortunately, I came home um, and I was able to be at, just wake up in the summer every day and, and write and type on my, my Google Doc and, and just put my thoughts together. And um, I kind of got my first draft done and I asked Ben if he could help me and he read the first like paragraph. He's like, dude, he's like, there's no way we're going through all this today because that was the plan. He's like, I'll do one principle with you every day because this is gonna this is gonna take us a while. <laughs> so um that was so funny. He was like talk about mental toughness. Like I had a you know and he's the, the the most kind, humble person, but like he's the kind of person like if you ask for advice, he'll tell you what you need to hear, not what you want to hear. Um so he's so like credible and, and reliable to like ask for stuff. So um he went through it for 14 straight days because there's 14 principles and it just made it so much better. And his basketball knowledge and IQ is like so elite in my opinion. And so it, like his help was um, instrumental. And then my older brother uh, implemented a lot of the principles the season before with his travel team. And so once I saw success they had, I was like, I need to share this information. It requires no talent at all. It's just being aware of it and then being uh, consistent with executing um, so once I got that draft done with Ben, I sent it to like five friends in a Google doc. I was like, Hey, could you read this? Add any notes? Like, and those were kind of my hype guys, hype girls. Um, and they were like, Oh, this is great. And they added a few, you know, suggestions, but Ben kind of, you know, addressed it, um, in, in regards to the content. And then, so I, it was like a team, like my starting five of people that just really helped with it. And I would say, I, you know, I had a lot, a few people reach out like, Hey, what was the process? Like, kind of like what you asked me. And uh, I wrote a blog post about it. So if anybody listening like is thinking about doing it, um, and, you know, I'm, I'm happy to get on the phone too and help out. But I kind of went through my steps of what it took because I was connected with a woman named Tammy Matheny, and she's a um, a sport uh, like a mental performance coach for athletes. And she's like she was so helpful. She helped me connect with uh, somebody for my cover and for the formatting of the book. 
on these different websites where people can kind of like bid for it or you reach out with what you want to do. And they did such a phenomenal job. And, um, and yeah, there's a lot of, a lot of tough days. I will say it was dedicated to my dad who unexpectedly passed away uh, about like four and a half years ago, which is, you know, definitely tough. Um, but he loved to read and I just knew he would be so excited to like, to dive into it and, and brag about it um, to other people. And so when I, you know, the fact that his face is on, you know, page five and everybody can learn a little bit about him, that's like the, uh, that's what kept me going um, when, I, when I didn't feel like writing anymore. And, uh, and I know he's proud and um, I'm just grateful that uh, there's been so much support and, and people have, you know, been able to kind of learn more about what I value and what my family values. Man, that's good, man. That's good. I. Yeah, just again, the themes of, you know, you have a solid team, you're persistent. <laughs> and and even in you sharing your goal, I, I love how you say, you know, once I say it out loud, I got to do it. Now, you know, I can't just be that guy, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but the fact that you follow through, you got it done, you shared it with other people who hyped you up or bring you back to reality. And it was bigger than yourself, right? It wasn't just a, um, you know, I don't think it, I'm already getting the impression that, it was not, you're not trying to, um, similar to when you got broke your hand <laughs> or, 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 uh, um, the, when you were wanting to start, but didn't start, you know, getting into crunch time is not about you. It's about the other people that you want to help serve. And it just continues to showcase, uh, through the book and the principles that you laid out in the book, which I found very valuable. Cause again, like we, we talked before as a leader, you know, in the, in the corporate space, in the workspace, I do find a lot of those similar principles, you know, uh, carried forward that you found through the coaches, through the, through the other uh, cultures that you've witnessed on in your programs and in your own experience. Um, I found a lot of that play relating into the way that I want to lead and continue to lead. So um, even though on your title, it says, you know, it's for players and coaches, which I, I, I sidebar, I found that to be dope that, <laughs> you tailored it to talk about both perspectives because you have both of those perspectives. So I, I, I thought that was amazing. Just, you know, you. coaches can grasp this players can grasp this. There, there are um, reflective questions. You even have X's and O's of how of specific plays too. So you have that element in there, but more so the principle of how to that will relate to um, the development of the players, the coaches and the programs. But yeah, I, I can easily see a lot of those same characteristics in the way that I want to leave and shape my culture for my commute, for my workplace. And so I would imagine that, you know, you mentioned that you started a uh, consulting business uh, and a leadership consulting firm. How are you utilizing, because, you know, we're, we're going to talk business for a little bit. <laughs> talk to me about the business of that, like setting that up, like who are you reaching out to? What are your services? Um, how do you see the transition or the translation of the book to who you're servicing? Um, just, just talk to me a little bit about that. Yeah. Well, like you said, we talked a little bit off air, just about being a part of a team and, and working your way up in different leadership roles. Um, I've always been like fascinated with the the best teams in regard to sports, uh, but also successful teams, um, in any capacity. And, uh, you know, it seems like it always starts with a great leader that like appeals to the hearts of their, their people. Um, and, and they know they care. And I think with the book, the four things I really try to focus on is that a, a leader or coach creates an environment where everyone feels, uh, safe, where they feel valued, where they have a voice, and then they have joy in their day to day work. 
Um, and those are like the kind of the, the four, um, I guess, pieces of, of what I try to do with teams. Um, it's, it's being aware that your actions and your words, they do matter um, and they can have a positive or negative impact on others. And, and being intentional with those things and, and how you go about your, your business. And you said, you know, you mentioned the word relationships. Um, you know, everything is built off relationships. And, you know, you, if, you know, just sending me an email with your notes saying that you read my book and a few things that you appreciated about my journey so far, like instantly I was like, like this guy really cares um, and is invested in, in trying to learn about me. Um, which made me want to do more research on you and listen to even more episodes and, and do all my research. And um, so I just think it's like, it's great. Like you, you can't just be one person that's bringing it. You know, if, if you have that environment where everybody feels like they can add value, whether you're on the bench or you're in the game metaphorically, um, you know, there's always ways you can help your team. And uh, I think people enjoy, you know, like I'm sure you're that kind of guy, Ray, where if you walk into a room, like, you know, with your people like, Oh, like this, like I'm excited for this encounter. Like, I don't know what is good. Maybe, you know, maybe you have to have some tough conversations, like a one-on-one -on -one meeting. That's not great. But besides those, it's like, like Ray's going to bring that energy today and going to smile. And uh, you know, those people, and that takes no talent at all. You're just choosing to have that outlook. And um, you know, and so like, I'm sure like, you know, your kids are going to grow up being around that type of energy. And I just think that stuff's so contagious. So just with my consulting, it's just any team that, um, you know, that wants to improve in some way. And, uh, you know, I would love to kind of hear you talked about the onboarding process, you know, so I'd love for you to kind of share that and any other little things, um, you know, the little things, we call them that small things, but they're, they're really big things as you know, you can allude to and talk about. Yeah. Yeah. You know, you know, every person, yeah, I, 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 I love the fact that, you know, safety is one of your elements that, that you strive to have people feel whenever they're a part of the team, you know, they're safe, they have fun, they feel like they're valued. And I, the fact of, of creating that as already a part of the foundational framework is key for any person to thrive, any team to thrive. And um, the more that it's, it's talking about the words is essential, just to put it out there, build awareness, but actually doing it is what the hard part is, the hard work is, right? <laughs> and so um, the fact that you can go in or, or you've been a part of that and you're helping shape that for other teams and other players and coaches and people who are developing programs to say these are the ways that you can help a player thrive um is phenomenal and and like I, there are things that you can't you don't need skill with but they do take time to develop um and having you as a coach to guide them through that is phenomenal so you're you know you're still coaching whether you're doing x and those which is great um but yeah man like the onboarding process so uh like we shared a little bit um Onboarding can be very tough for any new hire, <laughs> uh, any new person, any new team, right? Or a teammate coming onto the team. Just you're, you're new to the whole organization. You don't know anybody. Um, you maybe have some general direction of what the goals are, but still fuzzy of how it looks day to day, right? And so as you stated, the leader being the individual who can help um, shape and guide that person to feel confident as they as they continue on is key and so um for the process of onboarding you know at my work there are some technical things right do you have access um do you know where you sit <laughs> do you have a computer uh clock in clock out you know some of those technical things but the intangibles the small things the little things that that really help a person feel like they're a part of something bigger um and feel like they belong and have value are such things as hey um 
how was your day? <laughs> just a simple question. Yeah. Um, you know, the, here's where you sit, but uh, he, let me introduce you to some other people who you'll be connected with. Um, you know, here's a quick onboarding roadmap of, of what you would, what to expect your, you know, first week, 10 days, 30 days, what have you, just so that way they can see beyond the ridge um, and not be in a mist of ambiguity. And yeah, and that's not to say that perfection is going to you know, happen, right? We're never perfect in how we implement a program or how we onboard individuals. But the, if we are intentional, like you stated, in making sure that this person has this type of experience where they feel like they are, um, have value in this space, uh, that would bode well and be a, make a tremendous culture and just help them feel good and help the culture feel good. And so I've, I've been very blessed just to be, you know, in situations where I have that mentality to uh, help shape that and guide that for new, new hires onto the team um, and even uh, create buy-in for the other staff members to say, hey, this is what I want to get towards. Here's the vision that we, we what the type of experience and vision that we would like to have. How would you want to shape that? Talk about your experience. What, what was your onboarding experience like? What would you want to do differently? And then let's see if we could do this for this new hire. Um, and just continue to check and adjust. And so uh, that, that has been a lot of my mentality. Like you said, the, the, the various, the, the points that you made to that helped shape the book are there definitely the points that I think about whenever I think about the culture at my work. And then just continue to think through at the end of the day, what do we want this person to feel and believe and, and um, what, would, what would they need to be successful? It's quite, that was a lot what I think through. Yeah, I love what you said at the end is about like talking to, you know, people that you work with, like, what would you have wanted your onboarding process to be like? Like that was, you know, they might tell you a few things they liked or maybe one or two things that you can improve on because this is not like a, a cookie cutter, one one size fits all type of thing. Like, you know, the way you and you want to be onboarded may be a little bit different than me. And yes, you need the content. And like you said, where do you sit? And this is how you clock in and out. But then beyond that, like, what do you need? You know, what type of support? Like maybe you're more of an introvert and you just want to know what you got to do and get your job done. And I can check in. And, or maybe you need a little bit more, um, a few more check-ins and, and want me to, to, you know, just assist you basically in any way that you, you may need. So everybody is different. So I love that, you know, you're listening to your people and just constantly trying to, to have, you know, have that growth mindset and just continue to get better and improve as much as you can. Yeah, man. Yeah, man. And, and it contributes to the coaches that we've had in our past, right? Like, I think that I think about my coaching, like the coaches that I've been a part of and just the the vulnerability that they've shared about previous seasons or their experiences or the experience of other players and constantly incorporating that into, you know, the next season or just the day to day. And, um, and that, that, that same mentality, the growth mindset and tra transitioning that to the workspace in the day to day um, is a valuable trait. And it's also something good for other, other players, other, you know, student athletes, the listeners who are um, in that college state to think about, um, that what they're experiencing today can translate over to what they're going to experience down the road. And so as much as we can reflect to understand, to pinpoint the lessons, put them into 14 steps, you know, like 14 principles, what have you, document that um, could help them for themselves. But then like what you've done, if you are able to uh, test that out or talk to other people to see, hey, this is, we got something going here. Like there's a similarity that we've all experienced that helps us thrive. Um, you know, what would you add? How would you, how does this look in your program? How does it look for you? Um, that just continues to help all of us better, you know, um, it could become better. So that's dope, man. Um, so, you know, I, as we get closer to wrapping up, um, 
I want to talk about some of your future goals. Now you stated, yeah, you know, you one day you want to be a head coach. I still think that that sounds like that's still the desire. <laughs> you may be taking a slight pause, but it still sounds like that's the desire. But with this business that you currently have, um, you know, what are some of the goals that you want to see within your consulting business, within your consulting firm? Yeah, well, for me, the reason for, you know, or I guess my mission for now having transitioned into this leadership company and um, I would say just to positively impact as many people as I can. And, you know, and I, I genuinely mean that, like if I can, you know, have a, be a, you know, a support system or encourage somebody or make somebody think about something a little bit differently or, um, you know, I saw this quote about like relentless optimism. Um, and I just like, like the way that was phrased, like be relentless, like give everything you got, but like in regard to being optimistic about things. And, um, I hope to just kind of share that type of mentality with teams. And, uh, I don't know exactly what it looks like to be honest, Ray, but I just know that, you know, I've had those great coaches and, and such great people in my life now. So it's like, I feel like I'm a, a small part of everybody I've met, you know, as I know, you know, we've connected, so now I feel like I'm a small part of you. And if I can just continue to pay that forward and, and do it in a, in a way where, um, it's not just like it. I go visit, I do a, a workshop or something or do a zoom call and that's it. It's like, hopefully it sustains itself, um, you know, for years and years and then gives people the tools to be able to be great leaders and the different avenues that they go in as well. So, um, yeah, that's kind of how I would, I think, you know, view it, uh, in the, in the near future. Okay. Yeah. Day at a time, man. And it's not like you're not taking those steps today too. I mean, you've been taking those steps, you continue to take those steps. And, and that's dope that you're taking that, continue to take those initial, taking that initiative moving forward. The last two questions I have for you, which, um, you know, we talked about culture. We talked about this, the, just the way that culture could make or break a person, make or break a program, make or break a team. Um, you know, we're currently in this COVID season. Uh, we, we've been sitting in our homes or, you know, doing our best to, to make sure that we do not, um, you know, staying safe, staying in that in that regard. But we've seen a lot of just the culture climate of what's going on from an ethnic, from a racial perspective, from a um, diversity perspective, things of that nature. And so I know from my heart, um, I, that lens, uh, the equity lens is, is something that has continued to be a shape of my leadership. And just want to hear from you, just what does, how, how does that lens, uh, the uh, diversity, equity, inclusion lens, um, help shape the way that you do your business, that you lead, that you uh, are, are impacting the next generation? Yeah, it's uh, definitely, uh, you know, a tough time to see the way, you know, people are being treated and, um, you know, very obviously active and uh, on social media and the way people are behaving. And um, for me, I just, I know I just I, I guess I would just be like I just love people <laughs> um, and I don't care what you look like where you come from or you know what your religion is like if, if you are ever you know you're a good person you're kind um, you're passionate about something you know I think that you and I could have a good conversation and, and support each other in some way and um, I, I wish that more people kind of had that mentality and you know I'm very fortunate to have family and friends um, you know, and that you have that vibe as well. So I just like to try to just have that circle of people that encourage each other and pick each other up. Uh, one of my best friends from Newberry, 
she and I actually wrote down her title to make sure I got it right, but her name's Caitlin, uh, and she's the Inclusion, Diversity, and Equity Program Specialist for the Broad Institute of MIT and Harvard and Boston. Um, and, uh, and she's a great advocate for just including people. Uh, we both had a, a, a strength finder, a strength quest thing in college when we were RAs, and we were the only two out of the whole group to have Includer as uh, you know, our, one of our strengths. And I love that. Um, and we just don't want to see anybody not involved. Like we don't want, you know, circle can always get bigger. You know, everybody just take a step back. You know, let's include Ray, let's include Dan, let's include Caitlin. And, and then, uh, you know, another friend of mine shared, we don't, uh, we don't tolerate differences, we celebrate them. Mm-hmm. And I just think that's like the mentality of, of being in a, in a space um, and creating an environment where it's like, you know, he likes to say, tell me more, um, you know, like, Ray, like, I, I don't know about your whole story, but like, maybe you're passionate about something like, tell me more, I want to learn. And, uh, and being vulnerable, um, you know, to, to open up to somebody, because when you do that, it gives them more of an opportunity to maybe share something they wouldn't have, but also being an active listener. You know, you're, you know, I think that's so important as well, because you're not listening to respond, you're just listening to listen, you know, and when people talk to you, they don't always want, you know, advice or something. Sometimes they just want to talk. Um, and it makes you understand people a little bit better. And, uh, you know, as, as you and I talked about, like, talking to my, the kids I train or something like that or the people you work with, like, sometimes you learn something and maybe there's something that they were doing, their behavior. But once you kind of paint that picture, like, whatever it may be, like, you it, you kind of have, you just have more empathy for them. Um, but if you don't have those conversations, then you won't know that. So, um yeah, for me, uh, you know, my, my friend group, very, you know, diverse. And, you know, I, I love that because it's allowed me to learn so much and be a part of so many cultures. Um, and my best, two of my best friends are from Ghana. Uh, first time I had that food, it was a little spicy. But uh, <laughs> so I learned to not get the, the full spice. Um, shout out to Bilal and Prince. But um, those are two guys that I met at, at Newberry. And, um, but they're just such good people. And, um, and yeah, so I just think every, everybody can to just try to take a step back and really evaluate yourself and think about my career, am I approaching people in a way where they feel like they can, um, you know, talk to me and, and, and I, and showing that you respect them and, and want to learn in them as well is really important. I love it. I love it. Again, continues to speak to the inclusive inclusion and inclusive mentality that you have and, and wanting to share that. And I loved it. I love the idea of the circle can always get big. I guarantee you, that was my mentality on college campus. And I still my mentality now, just even the community. I'm like, we can add you too. Like, come on down. <laughs> you have a voice, you, you, you matter in this world. Um, and, and we want to see you succeed and thrive. And, and the more that we can have that mentality, understanding and, and celebrating our differences and recognizing how they play a role and, and just lifting people up, helping them up. I mean, that, that just continues to, continues to help shape great cultures and great communities, man. So that's dope, man. Appreciate you answering that. Last question for you. So, I mean, you're already in this world. You're already in this space of, of helping the next generation in, in many ways on the court and off the court. Uh, when we think about those college students who are you know, wanting to be in your position, what advice would you give to them to, to prepare them for their journey? Yeah, I would say a few things. I would say the first one is just, uh, I heard this phrase, so no way that makes up, but an attitude of gratitude. You know, it's so catchy, but it's just like, be grateful for what you have. Like, you know, you know, 
everybody's different, but hopefully, you know, you have a roof over your head, you have food in your stomach and, you know, you're, you're healthy and people you care about are healthy. And, um, you know, that's the most, those are the most important things. And, um, and then I would say there's so much content out there that you can learn from. Like for my book, I didn't know anything, but YouTube is amazing. And I learned that you can fast forward a YouTube video so I can go two seconds. And uh, that saved me a lot of time. I, I wish I learned that like two months earlier from when I started the book, but there's little, you know, cheat codes like that. Um, but there's so much content, so many podcasts, so many articles. So if you're really invested in something, don't let your lack of quote unquote resources limit you. Um, because there is a lot of people that have written about the things that you're probably interested in. And then there's people, um, you know, like Ray and I that are willing to get on the phone or email and, and help you out. Um, because we, no, nobody's done it alone. You know, nobody has done it alone. And um, I've had so many people help me. And, uh, you know, a simple message on LinkedIn, um, you know, can go a long way. And, and I would say when you do reach out, like find some commonality, um, you know, like for you, like we both played sports in college, but it'd be like, hey, um, you know, I saw that you, uh, you know, worked in Massachusetts. Like I went there, my cousin lives there. Like just find some type of commonality that like, you know, that you can talk about and just say you want to learn. Like people love sharing their story and, and hopefully helping others. And um, I'm definitely willing to help out any you know, listener that feels like I could add value to them. Um, but those would be probably the, the main things. Um, and then the last one I guess I would just say is just like, um, just like radiate positive energy. Um, you know, like, you know, and it's not always easy to be positive, but it becomes a habit. And the more you do it, uh, the easier it becomes. And, uh, and people want to be around that type of energy. And then you attract that same energy back. And it just helps you elevate yourself as well. So I'm, you know, those are probably the, the main takeaways that I've learned and, and would pass on to the, you know, the future leaders that are uh, going to do great things. Let's go. Let's go. I'm hyped, man. This is juice. I'm juice. This is great, man. Well, hey, you made a comment uh, of, of reaching out to you. Uh, if anybody is interested in what you do, want to bring you out to, to you know, speak to their programs, to pay you that $10,000 uh, speaking fee to, to you know, help shape their culture, shape their program. Where can people find you online and how, they can, how can they get in touch with you? Yeah, so... Twitter, um, I try to post good content on there, like motivational quotes or, or, or videos. Um, so on Twitter, Dan Horowitz1, D-A-N-H-O-R-W-I-T-Z, and the number one. And then my email is contact danhorowitz at gmail.com. And then my email, or my, sorry, my website is uh, uh, danhorowitz.com as well. Um, so pretty easy to get in touch with. And um, like I said, you can just reach out and I'm happy to help in any way I can. Perfect. Perfect. Hey, man, I appreciate you being on the show. I'll make sure to link to your, your social media contact in the show notes, as well as the link to your book, because I think this is important to get that out there. The folks know that you know, these, are, these are principles that could be shaped if you're a coach, if you're a player, if you're somebody in the workspace. If you want to have thriving cultures and thriving teams, uh, help them up will allow the ability to put that lens into the workplace and you know, just continue to see success, man, because, of, you know, again, I appreciate the work that you put into it. I appreciate the time that you sit with me today, man. And uh, yeah, thanks so much for being on the show. Yeah, I'd like to take the moment as well, just to say, like, you know, talking to you and, and learning that, like, family and being a great dad is always, you know, is, is very important to you, uh, to, to young kids. And, you know, one day they'll get to listen to some of your, your podcast and, and, you know, learn your, more about your journey. But I just think the fact that you're spending time, you know, with me to 
hopefully inspire uh, others, shows the kind of person and leader you are. And uh, the fact that, you know, you took the time to read my book to try to help the people that you work for, you know, they're just, I feel like you're that kind of person that the spaces you go to, you add a lot of value. So um, appreciate you having me on and excited to stay in touch and, and listen to your future episodes. Thanks so much for listening to On The Mic with Ray White. And before you leave, I got a few asks for you. First, connect with me on social media and let me know what your thoughts are on this episode. You can find me on my personal page at Ray Devante on all social accounts and this podcast at OTM Podcast on Instagram. Next, subscribe, rate, and review the podcast on your favorite listening device. Make sure that you go ahead and find On The Mic with Ray White on Stitcher, Google Play, Apple Podcasts, and Spotify. And make sure that you let me know that you're listening. And finally, share this episode with a friend. Take the time to send them a link or tag them on your social media platforms and start the conversation around them, around the reflective topics and the questions on this episode. Thanks so much. And don't forget to share your story with others. Peace.